Welcome to Out of Hours, the fortnightly podcast featuring frank conversations about personal growth, business, and passions. Recorded over a drink or two, out of work hours. I'm your host, Maxon Jones, founder of Story94, a podcast and video production company based in Oxford. Today, I'm joined by Mike Foster, business mentor and founder of The Entrepreneur's Mentor and the Oxford Business Community Network. In this episode, Mike and I talk about failure, why it's important to fail and how you can learn from it. We talk about our own failures and drawing on his expertise as a business mentor, Mike shares other key areas in business that he's seen are prone to failure. The important message we want to share in this episode is that you should expect to fail, but that failure is rarely objectively bad. If anything, failure is beneficial to help you and your business grow. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a comment or review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. It'd be great to get your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. Mike, thank you for joining me on Out of Hours. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. And thanks for the invitation. No, it's a pleasure. So in today's episode, I thought we'd talk about failure and Kind of the reason why I thought this would be an interesting topic was because I was listening to a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago called The Ground Up Show. And one of the guests in the episode, I can't remember which episode it was, but if I do find it, I'll link it below. They made this statement of failure has no definition. And it got me thinking, and it got me thinking a little bit longer. And I was really trying to understand, like, what, what did they mean by that? And the more that I thought about it, I kind of interpreted it as failure has no definition because we get to assign our own definition to it. Failure can mean different things to different people. So in this episode, I thought we could just explore that concept of, well, what do we think failure is? Why is failure important for businesses and entrepreneurs? And what lessons can we learn from it? To you, what what do you think failure is? What is your definition of failure? Good, good shout. You know, it's... Um I love the theme that you've chosen. You know, I think most people that know me is that I sit on the other side of the spectrum in terms of it's about success, and, success. <laughs> and, and drive. And you're there like, uh, what is failure? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it was sort of thoughtful when you positioned it with me, and I think it is exactly that for me. It is the opposite of success. And I think when I talk to my clients and myself, if you like, in terms of what is success, it can only be defined by them. And I get really frustrated by people who try and define success by what they've read in a book or what they've listened to somebody else mm. without actually actually defining themselves what success means to them, you know, what, what's their purpose, what's their why. And I think a failure in its simple terms, I think for me, is that the non-achievement of the success that you set for yourself. And... I, I love a definition that I have seen before, which is failure is just the first attempt at learning. And, you know, you know, the conversations we've probably had in the past is I see every every attempt that we have at our own success, which we may badge as failure, is only a learn. It's only an outcome from which we can learn from. Yeah, I think that's interesting how you kind of position it, actually, because I think most people, when they are asked to, to define failure or think about failure, they just think of the negatives. But the way you're looking at it is almost reflecting as well, what's what's the success? What are you aiming towards? And then I guess your failure is kind of falling short of that mark. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure in the traditional sense of well, you've had to close down the business or you've lost loads of money. And that almost makes it less scary. Yeah, and I think I think from my perspective, it is exactly that. It's, that. it's that association that we have as business owners to the words failure or success. And my experience is that if we associate with success, that's more motivational. Um, so some people are motivated by the, the fear of failure, for mm. sure. 
but failure I think we hold on to a bit longer if you like in terms of eating away at us in terms of what what has caused that what the purpose of that is and like I say if we can review that as an outcome and we can review that as a learning point and I think it's for me it's that the word failure is certainly in a, a word association that I see whole entrepreneurs and business owners back you know I think we have that fear of, of failure that like I say can be that motivation but it's also a word that I think suffocates our thinking is if we get into sort of like the failure mode and I see it as a spiral I call it a spiral of success or a spiral of failure and if we're on that spiral of failure we're sort of like spiraling downwards spiral of success we're spiraling upwards and you know I think it can suffocate our thinking when we're we're suffocated by what we're thinking about that's in our eyes making us fail and it is all around the, the whole attitude to failure as well isn't it in terms of you know if you take the, the KFC model or the Edison light bulb you know the amount of times that they were perceived to have failed with their um, their proposition but they kept coming back coming back because they could see the success in the long run but if they'd let the failure really get to them I don't think that they'd have driven for that success. Yeah it, it's very much and this is the whole idea of you can construct your own narrative around um, failure. So like with Edison, so it took him, you know, how many times to make a light bulb and one person could say, well, he failed a thousand times, but the reality is no, he just learned a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. And then on that thousand and first time he was successful. That's not an accurate retelling of his story. I don't know exactly the specifics, but yeah, that's the whole idea of you can, it's all about the way that you view the situation that you're in. Um, there's um, a really good podcast called The Future Podcast. And one of the episodes, the host, Chris Doe, says that there he's learned there are very few things that are objectively true. Most things are subjective. And if you could view something an infinite number of ways, why would you pick a way that makes you hurt? So if you, you know, you, you made a decision in your business and you say lost a thousand pounds or ten thousand pounds with this decision it didn't pan out how you intended um you can either view that as okay well i've lost ten thousand pounds um or you could view it as well if i'd have made the same decision two years down the line i could have lost a hundred thousand pounds so in fact it's more beneficial that i made this decision now and learned this lesson now than had i learned it you know two years down the line Ultimately, and, and, and you know, you know how much I do believe that myself. In terms of everything we do in business or in life, predominantly has an outcome, and it's what we decide to do with that outcome that makes us either grow as individuals or as a business, or actually spiral in, in the wrong direction. And I think, you know, what I've seen with business owners before, when they perceive that they failed in something, is sometimes it's put your head in the sand and bury your head in the sand and not necessarily admit that you've necessarily failed. Um, Whereas, you know, if we ignore it, we sweep it under the carpet, we hide from it, you know, we're not going to learn from it. Whereas if we look at it and we can reflect upon it and we can say, okay, what was our learning points from it? What would we not do again? What would we repeat? Then again, that's our learning outcome that we can take take forward and move closer to our definition of success rather than our own definition that we hold on to of failure. Yeah. So it's, uh, so how would you then, so this is almost like a mindset situation, isn't it really? How how would you help someone perhaps reposition their views of failure? How can you perhaps remove that fear that's associated with it? Yeah, I think I think you're right. It is mindset, and I think mindset is the most difficult thing to actually coach 
with somebody. Um, and, you know, as I say, said earlier, some of us are going to be motivated by failure rather than motivated by success. And when I do my goal planning with people, I always get them to think about what's going to be the things that you're going to achieve by achieving your goal and what you're going to obtain by achieving that goal. And what would you not achieve and what would be the knock-on effect of not achieving your goal? So again, there's that weight in, of both, if you like. And I think it comes down to, you know, from, from me, it's... I'm thinking with my clients, okay, well, define what that success actually means for you. What is your why? What is your purpose? What is it that you're doing for? And what's your plan and what's your steps towards that? And everything else beyond that is that learning point. Okay, so if I've sort of strived to engage a number of customers in a particular month, but I didn't achieve that, then why didn't I achieve that? And sometimes you have to break that down even further. So um, I will talk to my clients and say, okay, well, let's not just set a number of clients at the end of the month or a a revenue target for the end of the month because ultimately that's an outcome. Mm -hmm. Let's break that down into activity and say, okay, well, to obtain that number of customers or to obtain that level of revenue per month, what do we need to do on a month by month basis in terms of activity? You know, in terms of maybe number of telephone calls you need to make or number of events you attend if you get business from referrals and networking, et cetera. So you shouldn't have any surprises by the time you get to the end of the month. But it is that repositioning in terms of you haven't actually failed. What you've actually done is you've actually learnt something that can continue your next journey towards your um your success because you know i'm very methodical in terms of if you looked at my um desire in terms of moving from where i am now to where i desire to be i will go in a very much like up the standard steps whereas other people will get there in all different patterns and we're all individuals and we get there in different ways but it's making sure that we're moving in the direction because i ultimately believe and a good friend of mine tony hobbs always shared with me um something that basically said uh, business is never stagnating. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. And that's something that's held with me in saying, okay, well, how do we continue moving forward and, and not allowing ourselves to, to take that sort of step backwards? I think the other thing in terms of mindset is actually controlling our mindset. So actually coming up with this plan and saying, okay, what are my, I call them high power activities, those things you have to do in your business without failure and without distraction so that, so that they're in the good of your business. And if we've got that plan and that sort of focuses our mind, we're moving in that direction without thinking, am I thinking in a positive way? Is my mindset in the right way, et cetera? And I think from a, um, a failure, if we then position ourselves from a failure, we're saying, okay, is it preventable? Is it unavoidable? Or is it an intelligent failure? And from from my perspective, it's okay, well, if it's preventable, could it really have been foreseen? And if you look back and you're reflective on it, at what point would it have been foreseen and what can we learn from that? If it was unavoidable, then what does that teach us? And when we're looking forward with further in foresight, okay, what, again, what can we change? What can we reflect on? What can we change in our, the way we model things going forward? And then the best type of failure actually is intelligent failure where actually we know we're likely to fail, but we're going to test it fast and we're going to fail fast and we're going to see where it, it breaks down. So I talk to my clients, for example, of you know your stages of your customer journey and your sales process. You know at some point it's going to break down because you're not going to necessarily convert, unless you're lucky, 100% of your prospects. So you have to test that fast. You know it's going to fail, but that is uh, an intelligent failure because you're going to test it, you're going to um, stretch it and see where, sorry, see where it breaks and which steps you learn from and which steps you can then improve. Mm, that that reminds me of that intelligent failure. That reminds me of um, Google X, like the, you know their their moonshot group, where they encourage failure because the whole thing is if you try and avoid failure, you're less likely to take risks, which means you're less likely to make actual you know improvement in your business. So by almost being aware of well, this is likely going to fail. 
And that's okay. The reason we're doing it and the reason we're doing it, as you said, fail fast is so that we can then improve. And I guess it's that continual improvement, aggregation of marginal gains, all those things which compound over time to actually deliver real change and, and real growth. Totally. And, and you mentioned a, a forward thinking firm, you know, and I think leadership is is all is all to do with this, you know, whether it's success or failure. You know, I think um, some some of the leaders I've seen, as soon as they see a moment of failure, that person is performance management plan, you know, or managed out of the business, and they're not given a chance to recoup that and, you know, flip it around the other side and, and recover from that. And uh, you know, I think leaders have to think about you know avoiding the blame game culture um, from that side of it. I think they have to think about a culture that encourages failure as much as learnings, as much as success. And I think it's about um, implementing analytical tools so that if there is a failure, how do we analyse that and say, okay, well, what do we need to do differently? What can we learn from that? And it might be a failure of X person, but how as a team can we engage with that? How can we um, learn from that? And quite often, I think from a leader, it's about the acceptance of change, about how we address failure. Because I think what I tend to see in some of my businesses is sometimes it can be a generation thing, how we perceive failure as a you know, my type of age, um, won't, won't name my age, but versus your age, um, you know, is we might perceive that in a, in a different way, mainly due to life experiences, maturity, or actually just just experience in, in, in business that we've we faced, you know, because, you know, for, for example, one of the things I share as a mentor in, in my business is I share some of the failures that I've had, I've experienced, I've seen, so that my clients hopefully don't make those same mistakes. And then that helps them get towards their success point quicker. Hmm. So, so from my point of view, I, I am a one person business. One of my you know, failures, I would say, is I tried uh, last year to grow the business by taking my first employee. That didn't pan out. It didn't work. Um, I'm now at the stage where I'm, I'm trying to do that again and to hire another um, first time employee. And for me, at the time, um, when it didn't pan out with that first employee, I was, you know, feeling not particularly great about the business. I was, you know, questioning my ability to actually lead because up until that point, well, the only person I'm managing is myself. And for a lot of people, this could be one of their first real instances where they do experience failure in the business um, because it's out of their comfort zone. Um, for 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 say so that so that's kind of my experience of, of failure and those are like the lessons that that I've learned is I now know well I now know much better what role I'm going to be hiring someone into I know what to expect from those first few weeks I now know how not to train someone um, and and so it's all kind of taking those mistakes that I made learning from them and then implementing it better the second time around but being a business mentor. What, what, what's the difference between failing at my size of a one-person business to failing in a, as a much larger business? How, how, do, the, how do they differ? Well, you've just, you just explained a prime example of what I was referring to earlier. So instantly, that first, that first moment when you decided actually you were going to let that employee go, the first instant reaction that you would have had is disappointment disappointment that it didn't work for you, disappointment in all your best efforts, and I know they were the best efforts to make it work, that it didn't work, and you looked at you and you looked at yourself rather than necessarily the individual, or, like you said, the role that was processed. After a period of time, whether that was a day, a week, a month, 
longer you started to reflect that into a learn and it was probably that learn when you started to think okay I need to do this again I need to employ someone and you, you reflect then it's, okay what did I learn from that experience is how quickly we can do that I think the differentiation between somebody who's in an early stage business versus a mature business is that sometimes you can afford to make mistakes as the larger business whether that's your cash flow your capital your reserves um, the people that you've got around you to, to, to do that and as as a uh, I remember you telling me about a podcast that you were talking about the challenges as startups that you'd had I think it was with with Josh Cox um, and you know one of those was cash flow and obviously if you make a mistake or a failure perceived failure in your business as a startup that tends to impact cash flow or your resources in terms of you wasted some time or you've wasted some money um, so therefore you feel the impact and it hits you right in the heart um, because obviously yeah, that's really important to you at that side so that, that's the main point I see from there I think the other the other point that I see between the two sizes of the business is when you make the mistake at your size business the person you turn to unless you have a mentor like me is yourself and you look yourself in the mirror and you start beating yourself up and you know, you start reflecting maybe a little bit down the period again with yourself. Whereas in the larger businesses, there's maybe a board or there's maybe teams that they, if they're a good leadership model, are being reflective together on why that failure happened. And again, coming back to what I said earlier, is you've got good analytical tools to understand why that failure happened. You know, like I said, was it the person? Was it the role? Was it what was asked to do? Was it the clarity? Was it the communication? Was it the systems and processes that were put in place to, to help that person? Or were they left to sort of like just jump off a cliff and hopefully it works, for example? So I think that's sort of, sort of key definitions is you can afford to make the mistake and you've got people around you to analyse that with you. So what would you say, because you were, you were kind of talking about earlier um, with your mentees that you do um, goal setting. The flip side of that, you obviously have fear setting. Um, and I know Tim Ferriss talks about this a lot um, in some of his TED Talks and books, his whole idea of he's, he's a fear setter. So he, he's motivated, as you were saying, some people are by um, the fear. Like, wh how can I try and mitigate all these potential bad things that might happen? So if I take a week off work to go on holiday, you know, all my clients are going to call up and they all want changes and I'm not going to be able to, to do that and they're going to go elsewhere. You know, you kind of fictitiously create all these horrible scenarios which may or may not happen in your head and you then work towards trying to mitigate the likelihood of of that happening do you think in your experience that is beneficial do you think it's uh, a tool that should be exercised to some degree or do you think actually if you focus on um the goals that's a much you know more um, positive way and perhaps more productive way of of mitigating failure well, if, if I just explain to you my goal setting strategy, if you like, um, I did some research back in 1997 with a guy called John O'Harris. Some people will, will know the name. And we identified why people were succeeding in their goals and why certain people weren't succeeding. And we we're all individuals ultimately, but we tried to take some sort of pattern. And the te what tended to happen, the people that fa were failing to hit their goals were saying, okay, this is what I want to achieve. And they were jumping straight into the actions and they were running towards their goal and then they were hitting a brick wall. And then, oh, I can't get over the brick wall. I'm not an ant, so I can't get around it. So they bail out. A little bit like New Year's resolutions. You haven't done your weight loss. You haven't done your gym exercise. It's somebody else's fault. I bail out. What we identified is there was no emotion attached to it. And also, we weren't, you weren't building in the potential obje objections that you're likely to get or the obstacles that you're going to occur. So coming to your point, I think what we then looked at is saying, okay, well, 
you're going to be motivated by the positive or the negative. So is it the motivation by the success or is it the motivation by the fear? And I always encourage my clients to write those out. And what I tend to find is that if I say, okay, what's going to, what's going to motivate you by achieving your goal and what's going to be the worst case scenario of you not achieving your goal, if you're 75% motivated by the success, that list is quite big and the mm-hmm. other list is quite small. My art, if you like, as a coach mentor, is to take from my experience, say, okay, well, of those experiences you listed as successes, can we flip some of those into into fears? So, for example, a guy I was working with fairly recently, obviously I won't name, but he was all driven on a certain particular personal income level, and that was his his success model. Mm -hmm. And his success model was all driven on earning a particular level of income for, for basically lifestyle. Yeah how I flipped that into the negative that he hadn't listed was the knock-on effect. If he didn't achieve that level of income, he wasn't going to be able to send his son to private school. And he would have been the first generation in his family ever to not send his son to uh, to private education. And that was his biggest fear. He was driven by that fear of, you know, the fear of failure that we talked about earlier, being a part of a motivation for people. So I think he was still motivated 75% of his time by the success, but this was over here niggling him. Mm. And then when I build that then into the um, obstacles and solutions, so we build in the all, all the obstacles into the goal setting and say, okay, well, what are all the things that's going to stop you from achieving your goals? You know, what's going to make you fail, if you like, in terms of today's theme? Um, and say, okay, well, if we list all these things that's going to make us f- not achieve our um, success with this goal, we can then write a solution out for each of those obstacles. And then what we do is build those solutions into the activity plan. So the activity plan becomes a little bit like a checklist. And when we go through the checklist, ticking them off one by one, and we're putting the solutions in place, what shouldn't happen is the obstacle shouldn't occur that then creates the failure that we're trying to avoid. So it's being aware of it's being aware of the, the potential failures that you're trying to avoid and then implementing steps into your action plan to avoid them from happening whilst also still mainly focusing on the goals, what you're going to be achieving. Yeah, you, you, your big, hairy, audacious goal that you may have and then you're just breaking that down into levels. And, you know, again, I'll talk to a client and say, well, it may be, you know, your three, five, ten year goal that you're trying to achieve, but for a lot of small businesses, that is a little bit variable. Okay, there's a vision, etc. But what's your goals within that? I always bring that to a line in the sand in a year's time. And say, well, where do we need to be in a line in a year's time? And say, okay, well, if we need to be in a year, there in a year's time to keep us on that trajectory to that longer term goal, then we can break that down into smaller steps. And again, coming back to that point I mentioned earlier about high payoff activities. Yeah, and I think it's it's also, I think by fear setting, by kind of identifying what fears are, it, I think it does remove a little bit by. By almost having like a game plan in place of like, well, if this is the worst thing that can happen, I can do this, 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 and this, and this now to mitigate it. I do think it it takes that fear away a little bit. It gives it less power and does allow you to perhaps take slightly bigger risks um, to actually reach your goals. Whereas if you're just like, well, these are things I'm terrified about and it's too scary to think about, so I'm just going to ignore it. That's probably not the best way to go about it yeah yeah and, and i think this comes back down to your whole journey your whole your whole learn your, your experiences and being adaptable you know is um i've just written a blog actually which is a comparison between what i do as a volunteer in football coaching and business and one of those things is i set my under 10 boys out to go and 
play a particular way, play with a particular style, but we don't know who we're playing against sometimes. And sometimes we've got to stay adaptable, we've got to stay fluid and change as we go through. But we only do that by experience, knowing that our team can play a particular different way. And so I can change the formation, I can change different players in different positions. And that's just an example of business in terms of saying, okay, well, if it's not working, if we think we're failing our solution at this moment in time to win the game, what do we need to do and how adaptable are we to change that through? Yeah, I think that's a nice way of putting it as well. And and the whole idea of if you, you know, don't reach your goals. I mean, you, you briefly mentioned news resolutions. I think that's something that everyone can, you know, identify with is you get, you know, into February and you perhaps haven't stuck to that weekly workout or whatever it is your resolution was that year. You just kind of accept like, well, that failed, that didn't work. Let's just wait until January the next year. Um, but the reality is, is you, you know, you need to... Uh, not hold yourself quite so accountable. You need to. You need to. Is that, is that the right way? Hold yourself accountable or not hold yourself accountable? Well, I think I think there is an element of can you keep yourself accountable, and if you can't keep yourself accountable, who can keep you accountable? So, yeah, you know, I think the ways of keeping yourself accountable is having like your action list and making sure that you're completing that action list, but making sure that you're aware of the obstacles, as I mentioned earlier, because half the time when we don't achieve, for example, things like New Year's resolutions because we haven't been to the gym or we haven't lost the weight, for example, that's because the good habits. We can't break the habit. We can't implement the change that we need to make. I call it a step change because if we think we've just got to make a small change to implement the desirable actions that we want, we're kidding ourselves. Quite often we need to make a step change and break the habit. So I think things like, you know, if we want to lose weight, we, we've got to think about things like calorie counting. We've got to make sure we're meal planning and therefore we're only buying what we need to eat during the week and there's nothing else in the cupboards. And that's just going to break the habit. Me going to, I, I used to work for in the leisure industry and I used to sell health and fitness um, and be responsible for a solutions health and fitness brand for Soul Leisure. I didn't go to the gym that often, um, <laughs> which is quite bizarre in its way because I would have the best intentions to do it, but I could never do it. What I had to do is I actually had to get a buddy. And this comes back to the accountability. I then was accountable to the buddy that was waiting outside the gym for me at six o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't go, on my own I was letting myself down but only myself when I didn't go and he was stood outside yeah. I was letting him down as well so that accountability you could have accountability to people like me mentors or coaches you could have accountability to people in your business you could have accountability to people in your personal life whether it's your partner you know etc etc so you know where can you make that accountability and I, and I you see it quite often don't you when people you know they have new year's resolutions they want to get fitter they want to lose weight and I know we're homing in on those two things, but they're the most common ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but people take a charitable cause on and they say, okay, I'm going to run the half marathon in June mm. or I'm going to run um, across Kilimanjaro or whatever it may be because they're accountable to that charity and that cause that they're committing to. And it gives them that extra steer of motivation to make sure that they don't steer into the, the failure mode. Yeah. But the whole, the whole kind of what I was trying to get at is if if you identify like with, with keeping in line with the newest resolution, like if you don't go to the gym uh, one week, don't just be like, well, that's it. You know, I've broken the streak. Let, let's scrap it. Just accept, okay, I didn't go this week. I'll go next week. And don't just let yourself um, be kind of overcome with that failure and just think, well, that was a waste of time. Just, Keep going with it. Well, it's a prime example. It's a, it's a way I work with my clients, and you'll know from conversations we've had in the past, whereby I'm not a knuckle wrapper. So I I set out with my clients. Okay, what is it that you want to take away from the session that we've had today? You know, what's your action points you want to take away? Is it two actions, ten actions? We, what 
can you take away that you want to achieve, what you want to work on? When we get to the next session, we reflect on that and say, how did you get on? It's not to say, tut, 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 you didn't achieve it. It's mm. predominantly, if you didn't achieve it, what got in the way? What stopped you from doing it? Was it a person? Was it some time allocation? Was it something else that coming in interrupted you or distracted you? And then what's your learn from it? So coming back to our theme right at the start in terms of this is all predominantly your first attempt at learning. And what did we learn from the outcome that we achieved? And from that outcome we achieved, we say, okay, well, okay, it was someone else stole some time from me. They interrupted me. Um, they distracted me. Or it was I didn't allocate my time on my diary properly for it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, let's fix that and let's deal with that. So then when you take your, your actions away at the end of this session, that same thing doesn't come along and, and steal that time again from you next time. So you can actually do the things that you take away as your high health activities. So we've spoken about what is failure, uh, why it's important. It's important because it allows us to, to learn from those mistakes. It's a facilitator for learning. I shared, you know, one of my perceived failures of failing to hire my first employee and, and you know, keep them on um, because it just didn't work. It wasn't the right fit for either of us. When we parted ways, to me, I was disappointed. I was upset. I thought that I'd failed. Um, I learned from that and now I'm at that stage again where I'm ready to take on my next employee. But what about you? Where in your kind of business or, or journey, you know, what are some of the, the failures that you've experienced? Yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey for me. That's why I've got this, uh, this gray hair, I think, uh, nowadays. Um, I think the things that I would put down as disappointments in my non-achievement of the success that I set by myself, and yes, I, I guess admission that they are failures in myself, is in roles that I've actually taken on. Um, I think when I run my own businesses and I'm accountable to myself, then you just got that drive and you, you know, I'm quite a reflective person. I journal every evening and I look at um, how I can improve and I try to be a better version of myself tomorrow than I was today. That's my mantra, if you like. Um, I think the, the areas where I think I would reflect back on is jobs that I've had and particularly, you know, I won't name specifics, I think it would be unfair, but jobs where I look back and I think what I didn't do very well is that I didn't communicate with the leadership team very well. I didn't manage expectations very well. Um, and that meant that meant well, what we found is that there was a confusion of purpose. I thought I was trying to achieve X, Y, Z as I would do as if it was my own business. They probably had another agenda that they hadn't communicated with myself. And I just probably didn't ask the right questions, didn't communicate that very well because I guess I'm quite an independent person, hence why I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and I guess sometimes uh, people might say I'm unemployable again. So what are then the lessons that you've learned from those? I think it's um, it's going back to a little bit like what we were talking about, the, the difference between failure of a, a smaller business and a larger business is, you know, making sure that you are in communication with people, um, that you are reflecting. But before you get to that failure point, so, you know, don't wait for the failure to come before you then start reflecting on your day to day. So like I say, I journal every single day when I'm a reflective of myself, but actually what I didn't do in my roles is I didn't reflect on that regularly enough with the stakeholders of that business, whether that was, for example, a trustees board or the founder of the business or whatever that is that I was supporting. So although I thought I was doing the best intended job, although I thought that I was doing what they asked me to do, the goalpost sometimes changed mm -hmm. and I wasn't engaged enough in my communication with them to find out early enough that the goalposts had changed. Yeah. And I guess this is, this comes back to what we were talking earlier about uh, goal setting and fear setting and creating that 
checklist or action um, points to, to yeah avoid that fail in the first place to to, to catch things before they become you know, failures. Air quotes. Yeah, I think the other failure that I would. Um I'd, I'd mention is the toughest business that I've ever run out of the, the six businesses that I've owned myself was an indoor soft play centre, uh, predominantly for cash flow purposes. Um, and I think the sort of failure there was not not capitalising, um, having enough working capital for the business um, from the outset. So we were very reliant on trade. And when trade dried up because of hot summers, you know, that really put the, the cash flow under suffer. And there was days when I would be watching the cash flow and the weather forecast to see what the impact was going to be on the business, which was quite a stressful moment. But that was a very different business. You know, I've had um, my other businesses have been service businesses where you've built them organically, if you like. This one was huge money up front, cost me a little bit more than I thought it was going to do because obviously they always do, don't they, in build costs, etc. That absorbed into my working capital I had in terms of investment. And it was open the door and hope somebody loves it compared to obviously... As I always say, my clients try and get your product development alongside your customer, um, your customer experience, your customer uh, research. And um, this one was open the door. I hope people love it. Yes, people did love it, but some of the things that were outside my control, and I'm a big advocate of control or controllable, but this was out of control was when the sun was beating, people <laughs> didn't, didn't want to be indoors. So that for then that hit income for that month, we still had the overheads, that quashed our cash flow. So that was an interesting learn from me, if you like, was to make sure that the, the businesses were uh, had enough working capital at any time. So. Yeah, and I mean, thank you for kind of sharing that story with us because the thing that I find with with failures, it's, it's it's definitely a talking point with businesses and entrepreneurs, but it's almost like something. Uh, so, so I, it really resonates with me when I hear stories of other people, you know, failing again in air quotes, because it, I think, failure can be for a lot of people quite um, an internal thing. It's something that you kind of you you run it through in your in your head and you don't quite talk openly about it so when you experience a failure you don't really share that you don't um and when you don't hear people talking about their failures it can sometimes feel like you're the only one that's failing everyone else is succeeding especially with um, social media and kind of news stories usually it's positive stories which are shared which is nice to be able to hear other people's successes but it can just sometimes amplify that narrative you've got in your head of i'm the only one that's failing everyone else is succeeding yeah, I don't like the word imposter syndrome, but um, you know we do talk to our, or over talk to ourselves as entrepreneurs and business owners, and uh, you know that does fuel all that noise that's going on. You know, you read everybody else is succeeding. Um, you might go to a networking event, and everybody at the networking event is having a fantastic time of it right now, and you're going, "Wrong well, reflection. I'm not having a great time. That's why I'm here at the networking event, trying to work, find new business, etc." So that just amplifies it. I'm now the only person. Whereas you say when you start hearing stories that are sharing the same. You know, we talked earlier about the round tables that we run through my networking group, and that's really people sat around a table sharing the same challenges they're having. And you see how refreshing it is for people. They're saying, oh, actually, I'm not alone with that problem, whether it's employing staff, managing the performance of staff, or retaining staff, which seem to be the hot issues right now, or lead generation, sales conversion, whatever that is. Once you know that you're in the same boat, you go, okay, I chill out a little bit. And someone said to me this morning, they said, when I work really hard to try and win new business, I struggle. When I chill out a little bit, it comes to me. And that's quite an interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, it's almost that, um, not not effortlessness, but you kind of, when you, uh, I know this from, from past experience, when I was you know first starting out, you 
being a, a creative um you can sometimes like a reek of desperation when it's like i i need this project i need this money um it's something i was talking about uh, in a previous episode with josh when we were talking about why it's important not to, to to give discounts um because you're devaluing your work but it's really hard when you're saying well this is going to cost this much uh, and someone comes around and says oh well you know in, instead of a thousand pounds what about we we do it for 800 pounds it's really hard to say uh no it's a thousand pounds because then you run the risk of losing that 800 pounds um and so sometimes yeah when you're kind of uh overly keen or you're just you're just trying really hard you can sometimes people can pick up on it but if you're a bit more confident and relaxed um yeah sometimes that, that kind of confidence just just comes and and everything's somewhat easier yeah yeah and that, and that comes a, bit, a little bit with the maturity of the business as well i think you know when you're starting up when you're looking to scout a, a five-digit business to a six-digit business and then a seven-digit business that's really about how quickly you can automate and guarantee things like your lead generation your sales conversion and your processes mm. um but i think it's really really interesting yeah let me share some what might be perceived as failures by my clients um, for you, just to give you a bit of sort of flavour, if you like, and some of them resonate with some of the things we talked about already. You know, cash flow is certainly a big one that is sort of rings alarm bells of people. I must, I must be failing with my business if the cash flow isn't there. And sometimes that will be down to the way they built and modelled the business because of prof profitability, etc. And I think the biggest one that I tend to see related to cash flow is when the business owners start to take a hit on their own income and then realise that they're earning less income than maybe an employee, or they're earning less income than what they could earn out in the marketplace, or they were earning in an employment base. So that's sort of like a, a sort of trigger point of a, a perceived piece of failure. I think um, you mentioned earlier about building teams. I think, again, I've got quite a few clients at the moment in terms of been building teams during the pandemic, and it's not been easy for, for anybody. Um, the market has been difficult and in trying to find the right quality talent to, to attract uh, but we take that person we take that um, to heart individually we haven't done out something ourselves so that's a I haven't been able to build my team as a perceived sort of failure if you like uh, I think then sustainable lead generation and sales conversion again are perceived to be failures I, I can't make this happen I've tried all the all the ways I can I can't get that lead flow going I, and when I've got leads coming in I'm not converting 100% of them so people perceive that as a failure in them not being able to to, to change that through and a big one which sort of resonated with something you were saying just a moment ago is the failure when we look back at our business after a period of time and we we think actually it didn't go as i thought it was going to go and you've perhaps fallen out of love with your own business a little bit and sometimes what i tend to find where people perceive that to be an area of failure is they've got the wrong customer they've hired the wrong customer for like you said they've gone and discounted their product and therefore attracted the price attractive customer that doesn't really value the service that you're offering or it's a customer that's very needy and therefore the, you, what you perceive was going to be the time is taking double the amount of time so you haven't got enough time to then in, invest in the type of clients that you really want to get so i think you know there would they would be key things that i tend to be working with clients at the moment that are sort of like maybe their perceptions of failure yeah so i think it's just important for people to hear that because it, it could be that someone listening to this is struggling with early generation or they're struggling with cash flow so just knowing that they're not alone and that other people are experiencing similar issues i think is is very reassuring and it just gives you the confidence i think to keep going and keep you know uh working on your business because it can be very disheartening when you do look at things and you think like gosh uh, you know one of my 
fears that I have is I've been running my business now for two years. Is that correct? Two years? Yes, two years. Two, two years in November. But I've been, a, a, you know, I was, I was a freelance photographer for three years before then. So I've been doing what I've been doing now basically for five years. And, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with where the business is and I'm pleased, you know, with how much money I make, if, if that's your definition of success. Um, but I do think like, well, in 10, you know, in five, five, another five years time, when I've been doing this for a decade, will I be where I want to be? Um, will I, you know, be able to provide for my family? And, and for me, that's, that's my fear and, and that's my, you know, perception of failure would be if, if I'm not in that position um, that, I, that I want to be in. But breaking everything down and being like, okay, well, if I do this, then that might mitigate that. And if I do this, you know, it's, it's creates that action plan, as you put it, um, of small steps that I can make to push myself in the right direction. And, and then that helps with your flexibility as well, because if you try and make yourself a big step to try and change that big step is a big task mm. because, you know, you're saying, okay, that, that's the step I need to make and it's suddenly going to elevate my business. It's going to be that level up change I'm going to make, but it doesn't happen. You go, okay, now what do I do? Because, you know, I haven't quite got there. I've got to go with another big change. Whereas if you've got smaller steps that you want to make, you might have a couple of options of those smaller steps you can make and you can deviate and you can remain adaptable to the business that you're trying to, to generate through through those step changes. Yeah. In one of the earlier episodes, I can't remember which one, or I can't remember where I heard it either, but the, the, there's a quote and it's... Um, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in a decade. And it's that whole idea of um, we have such um, big ambitions um, that if we and if we don't say hit those goals and those targets in that first year, we view that as a failure. But we underestimate in you know a decade's time where we're likely to be. And, and time is, you know, I missed that one, I guess, in terms of time is a big, a big measure of someone's failure. You know, not, not utilising my time properly. Um, I've, you know, time goes so quickly, you know, who would believe, you know, we're so far into 2022 already, you know, in terms of, you know, it's gone so quickly already. You know, the last five years have gone, the last, since the pandemic started, that's gone so quickly. And we say, well, I haven't used my time as effectively as I can. And I think that we can take that back to the, um, you know, what you were just talking about there, we can take that back to the goal planning. You know, the, the part that starts with goals is creating what that objective is you're trying to achieve. And, you know, it's always said in terms of when you set your goals, make sure they're smart goals or smarter goals. If we take smart goals, and again, I was writing a blog about this fairly recently, you know, how many times do we set an objective for ourselves that isn't achievable mm -hmm. and it isn't realistic? And ultimately, all we're doing really is setting ourselves up for either non-success yeah. or failure. Yeah. So we're kind of coming up, coming up to time on this episode, but what, what, what's kind of one thing that you'd like people to take away from this episode? I think from, from my perspective is that where do you sit? You know, first of all, you know, are you motivated by success? Are you motivated by, fa by failure? Identify where that is. And I can honestly say in most businesses that I've worked with, it's probably 75, 25%. So still have in your mind the other side of the um, pendulum, if you like. But I think the most important thing is um, view outcomes as a learning point. So whether you perceive that outcome to be a success or a failure, perceive it as a learning point and say, okay, well, what can, what would I repeat? What would I not repeat? What can I tweak and learn from and implement differently? 
Yeah, and I think that last point is, is something that I'd just echo. If you if you can perceive something which has ha- happened in an infinite number of ways, don't view it as a way that's going to you know harm you. View it as a way. Um, view it in in the way that's going to allow you the opportunity for the most personal growth. So try and take something that's happened to you that might be perceived as being negative and try and find the positive in that situation. 100%. And I think, you know, as you've worded there, I think, you know, quite often we talk about business growth, but actually people have got to acknowledge it's about personal growth, where it's personal growth as the business owner and the leader of the business, or it's personal growth of the individuals within the business that, that moves towards what we may define as success ourselves and avoid failure. Brilliant. Mike, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show this evening. If people want to get in touch with you and learn more about you, how can they do that? Yeah, thanks again, Matt, for having me. Um, Yeah, best way is probably either through social media. I'm pretty prevalent on social media or through my website. It's entrepreneursmentor.co.uk. Fantastic. Brilliant. Links to everything will be in the show notes below. Again, Mike, thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening to Out of Hours. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a comment or a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or CastBox. It'd be great to get your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. Thanks, and I'll see you in the next one.